First Baptist Athens offers this podcast of Devotions for Lent. Today's devotion is offered by Jamie Hogan. It is based on the story in Genesis 21, 8-21, when Hagar and Ishmael are sent away. The scripture is read from the New Living Translation. The devotion begins with music, provided by Sarah Delbane, playing What Wondrous Love Is This, arranged for flute. Lay aside everything else for the next few minutes. Allow the music to settle your soul, making space to listen for God. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant, Hagar, making fun of her son, Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, Get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. 
But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well of full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. A Lent devotional seems the appropriate space for a confession. I struggle immensely with the God of the Old Testament. There is a duality in his or her nature that lends itself more to fallen mortals than to the spiritual embodiment of creation who provides us with so much possibility. In fact, as we talked through this particular passage in Genesis with our small group, I thought, what have I gotten myself into here? This representation of God makes me question everything. Then I thought about this season of Lent that we have entered into. This holy time of quiet prayer, of fasting, and of sacred reflection, and let's be honest, general discomfort. And I returned to Barbara Brown Taylor's work, Learning to Walk in the Dark. I'd like to share that the copy I'm citing from once belonged to our beloved aunt, Patsy Hogan. Barbara Brown Taylor writes, When the dark night first falls, it is natural to spend some time wondering if it is a test or a punishment for something you've done. This is often a sly way of staying in control of the situation since the possibility that you have caused it comes with the hope that you can also put an end to it, either by passing the test or by enduring the punishment. The darker possibility that this night is beyond your control is often too frightening to consider at first, at least partly because it means that none of your usual strategies for lightening up is going to work. One of the hardest things to decide during a dark night is whether to surrender or resist. The choice often comes down to what you believe about God and how God acts, which means that every dark night of the soul involves wrestling with belief. I appreciate Taylor's words here because she gives validation to my own soul's wrestling. The events that unfold throughout the passage in Genesis are heavy and unsettling. The most tormenting to me, particularly as a mother, but more importantly as a Christian, is the casting out of Hagar and her child. In a blink, through no fault of their own, they become refugees. Not so different from Mary and Joseph and Jesus, relegated to the elements, surrounded by uncertainty. The mother, overcome by hopelessness, desperation, and an all-consuming grief, cannot look at her own child as he suffers from thirst and hunger. She has nothing and can do nothing to save him or herself. In her dark night, in such circumstances, I imagine Hagar wondering what she has done to deserve this fate, vacillating fervently between resistance and surrender, up to the very moment the angel of God appears. Hagar's soul wrestles with belief, And wouldn't our souls do the same? 
and have they done the same? Mine would. Mine has. Fast forward to our present days, and this story is not unfamiliar at all. The same dark night of Hagar and her child echoes still. Amidst a pandemic that has ravaged our nation, leaving so many without. From the border where children have yet to be reunited with their mothers, fathers, and siblings. From the powerless, literally and figuratively, in Texas and other states as a result of deadly winter storms and apathetic policymakers more in love with greed than public service. Within our own community, as mothers and children seek shelter and their next meal. Yes, we know these stories all too well. In Hagar's story, in the dark night beyond her control, in the midst of her suffering and angst, the angel of God comes to Hagar bearing gifts of concern, of compassion, and of hope. The angel of God extends a spiritual, metaphorical hand, lifting Hagar and her son from darkness, despair, and certain death into the light of a promising, fulfilling life. What does the angel do that is any different from what we as Christians are capable of doing for those among us who are experiencing a dark night? I mean, isn't that what this whole Christianity thing is about anyways? In reflecting on my own experiences during this season of our liturgical calendar, I am intrigued by how we as Christians practice Lent. Are we giving up carbs and sugar this year, or is it wine, or Facebook, Maybe Amazon Prime. John wouldn't mind me giving up that one. Regardless, this ritual offering up of an indulgence, though framed by good intentions, seems to fall short of what is asked of us as Christians in our time here together. If we aim to fast of anything during Lent, and perhaps beyond, let's fast of walls. Let's fast of misinformation. Let's fast of our own comfort so that we may love our neighbors more fully. Let's fast of homelessness. Let's fast of hunger. Let's fast of policies that would separate families and mothers from their children. Let's fast of silence and bystanding. Let's fast of any barrier to the all-encompassing love we find so plainly before us in the teachings of Jesus Christ. In the words of writer Anne Lamott, You've heard it said that when all else fails, follow instructions. So we breathe, try to slow down and pay attention, try to love and help God's other children, and hardest of all, at least to me, learn to love our depressing, hilarious, mostly decent selves. We get thirsty people water, read to the very young and old, and listen to the sad. We pick up litter and try to leave the world a slightly better place for our stay here. Those are the basic instructions, to which I can only add, Amen. During this season of Lent, I pray that we seek each other out during our dark nights with unconditional love, born of hope, understanding, and possibility. Amen.